Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, my name is Caleb Rutherford, and I am your host, and it is such a blessing to be able to be back in studio with you once again. I know after having taken a season off, it is so exciting to get back into this podcast and to be recording with you, to be studying alongside the Word of God with you. I didn't mention this last episode, and I don't know why I didn't, but this is a pretty big milestone because this begins, well, actually, last episode begins the kicking off of season number four. Now, we have had more seasons than that with the Transformed Podcast. However, this is the fourth season for the Transformed Podcast to be underneath the Scattered Abroad Network umbrella. And so, perhaps this is the first time you were listening to this particular podcast. Thank you so much. Welcome. And I encourage you to go check out the Scattered Abroad Network. Check out scatteredabroad.org. Our website has all the information you need to know. And you can go to the Scattered Abroad Network master feed. Um, Perhaps maybe that's where you found this podcast, or maybe you just found this podcast on its own. But when you look up that master feed, everything that we upload is going to go straight to uh, that feed, and you're going to be able to have every single episode there. Our goal is to try to upload content every single day. And I I know sometimes we fail uh, at doing that. Um, it can be quite uh, quite a task to make sure that everybody is lined up every single day, and sometimes we fail to do that. However, we strive to put out biblical content every single day, and hopefully this podcast is something that is beneficial to you. So we've kicked off season number four. This is episode number two, um, and I'm excited to do this as we are continuing in our study of the topic of a question. What is Christian living? What does it look like to live like a Christian? What does it look like to think like a Christian? What does simply a Christian look like? It's a question that I suppose we don't really think about because I guess for many of us who are Christians, we just think about being a Christian. What is a Christian? Well, a Christian is a Christian. At least that's what some would say. But what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, as you and I read through the New Testament, we understand that there are many different passages of Scripture that give us characteristics. They give us traits that we need to uh, make sure that we are adding into our lives so that we can be who God would have us to be. One of those passages of Scripture is found in the book of Second Peter, and that is where our study is coming from for this entire season. And last week, we did a little bit of an intro to this particular topic and to the book of Second Peter. We looked at Peter and some of the things that he did. We looked at the first verse or so, um, and I want to pick up right where we left off. We left off um, by talking about some of the things that were unique to uh, Peter and some of the things that he did, but I wanted to take note and look, get a little bit more into the text as we think about some of the things that are going on. When you look there at the end of verse 1, He says this, he says, to those who have obtained, notice this, like precious faith, like precious faith. There are a lot of topics, or excuse me, a lot of passages that have to do with this idea of faith. And I want to read a couple of those for you. If you're in an opportunity or in a place where you can flip to these passages, then please go ahead and flip with me. If not, just listen and I will uh, read these to the best of my ability. You hear my pages turning, I'm sure, in your speakers. But Galatians chapter 1, beginning of verse 23, the Bible says, But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. Philippians chapter 1 is another passage I want to take you to. Philippians chapter 1, beginning uh, in verse 27, if I can ever get there. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let's go to the book of First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1, beginning uh, here in verse 2. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father uh, and Jesus Christ our Lord. How about First Timothy chapter 4? Just go a couple pages over, look at verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. First Timothy chapter 5, notice verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the husband been the wife of one man. I began reading, I, I kind of got sucked into this passage of scripture and I kept reading farther than I needed to. That goes into a whole other different topic and maybe we'll get there eventually on this particular podcast. How about 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse 10? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy chapter 6, same, same chapter, look at the very last verse of this particular book, verse 21. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you, and amen. How about 2 Timothy chapter 3? Notice verse 8. Now as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. Let's go a little bit later in the New Testament. Look at the book of Jude. The book of Jude, there's only one chapter in this particular book, and I want you to notice verse 8. Jude, verse 8. Excuse me, Jude, verse 3. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. It's interesting, when we look at these seven or eight passages or so, a word that sticks out. And no, it is not the word faith. In fact, as I look at these passages of Scripture, it is the word that goes before, the word that comes first before the word faith. And that is the word the. He's talking about all of these writers. Paul is talking about the faith. In other words, he is showcasing to you and I that there is no other faith that can lead us to the source of salvation. You see, Peter understood that there was no one else to whom he could go. There was no other answer to the questions that he needed. There was no other answer to the source of the problems other than Jesus Christ and the faith we have in him. Matthew 16 and verse 16, what did Peter say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's important to notice the singularity of this faith that Peter talks about. He talks about the faith. There was only one faith. There was not another faith. There was only one faith that saves. There was only one foundation on which we can stand that will not crumble. And there was only one Savior. There was only one God. There was only one body, only one church. There was only one word. Friends, there is only one faith. As we walk through this passage of Scripture, something else I want to point out is the fact that Peter talks about righteousness. Peter talks about righteousness as we find ourselves back in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. He talks about those who will have the righteousness of our God and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This quote from the Wycliffe Bible Commentary 
the Bible or this commentary says this. It says the righteousness of God is, of course, the foundation of the entire universe. The righteousness of God, virtually synonymous, I suppose, with the justice of God. It is showcasing to you and I that God is pure. God is perfect. God is just that everything that God does is right and that there is no evil or wicked within him. And thus, without him and his righteousness, you and I understand we would have access to nothing. There would be no hope, no justice, no mercies, no righteousness if it wasn't for God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 a verse we all know very, very well. We quote this verse, and it is so important to know, absolutely. But don't stop there. I think far too often we quote scriptures, but we forget about what else is going on around it. Because in the very next verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible tells us, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In it. For in what? For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Having an understanding of the gospel leads us to having an understanding and an appreciation of the righteousness of Almighty God, as it does his grace and his peace, as Peter continues to talk about. When he talks about grace and peace, it's interesting when we think about trying to define these terms. We know that grace is something that you and I will never, ever deserve, and it comes in the form of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I think about passages like Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. It talks a lot about the love of Jesus Christ and how he loved us to the point to where he came to this earth, even though we were sinners at the time, even though we had turned our backs on him, he still gave his life for us. But within all of that is the grace of God, because if there was no grace, there would be no sacrifice. And if there was no sacrifice, there would be no hope of heaven. But then he talks about peace. Definitely something I think it's a lost concept on our world, at least over the last couple of years, probably uh, much, it goes back much further than that. But we see the turmoil, don't we? We, we? we see the struggles, we see the strife, the hardships in our world. Everybody wants to have peace. Everybody wants to be in that state of not worrying and not wanting. But where do you get that? Where do you get that grace? Where do you get that peace? Within the knowledge of Almighty God. In the knowledge of Almighty God. You know, it's so vital when we study about God, when we study about who He is, when we study about what God has done for us, you know, without the knowledge of Him, you and I wouldn't know who it is that provides us with that grace and peace, would we? Having knowledge is so extremely important, and interestingly enough, when you look at the word knowledge, generally it is the word gnosis, and it means simply to just have knowledge or just to know certain things. But in this context, it's the word epinosis, and this idea shows us that it means we must come to a full knowledge. In other words, someone once said this, it is knowledge toward an object that is ever maturing and yet never matured. You know, the knowledge of God is something that is so important to have and to continue studying within our Christian walk. But knowing that you and I will never, ever know everything that there is to know about God is perhaps maybe difficult to understand. We are studying something that we will never, ever know fully. It's interesting when we think about it, isn't it? We have the knowledge of God. We know that we do, but let me ask you this. What do we do with it? What about passages like Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20? We're commanded to go and to teach all nations, aren't we? Mark 16, 15 through 16, we are commanded to go and teach every creature. Luke 24, 47, we're commanded to preach the repentance. Uh, the, we are commanded to 
to preach the repentance and remission of sins. Acts 8 and verse 4, persecution scattered Christians, but they went out doing what? Preaching. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, Paul's command to go and preach regardless of circumstances. And so I guess that begs the question. We know we have the knowledge of God. We know we're commanded to preach, but what is it that we are to preach? What about Acts chapter 8? Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, going all the way through verse 12, is an interesting, I guess, context, if you will, when you study it. Because in this passage of Scripture, we know that Stephen has just been killed by Saul. We know that Saul is wreaking havoc within the church. Christians are scattering. They are teaching as they go. But then we're introduced to another individual by the name of Philip. Philip has been healing individuals who were demon-possessed, people who were paralyzed, people who were lame, people who needed curing, who needed health but could not gain it. Peter, or excuse me, Philip was able to do that. But then once we read about Philip, we're also introduced to another man. This man was by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. Now, you and I know that sorcery or magic, things like that, are not true. It is all dishonesty when used in such a way to gain money, and that's exactly what he was doing. But you notice in verse 5, the Bible tells us this, that Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the, notice this, kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. You see, Philip knew that all the people needed was what? Jesus. All they needed was Jesus. He preached Christ to them. He preached things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, don't you see that Jesus is the answer to our problems? If they had only known who Jesus was and what he had done for them. Friends, that's all we need to be teaching. That is all we need to be preaching wherever it is that we might be, whatever audience it is to whom we might be speaking, teach and preach Jesus. I look back to verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 1. The Bible tells us, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. When I think about life and godliness, I first think about how God has granted us life. You and I know that without God, we are literally nothing, that it is from him and that it is through him that we are able to do what we do. You and I are so intricately designed, Psalm 139, verse 13, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb, and yet, not only is he our creator, but he is also our sustainer in this life. You see, within the Bible, you and I know that it is our roadmap, it is our guide on how to successfully make it through this life. And if you and I adhere to this roadmap, to this guide, it will make our life worth it. It will make our life for the better if we simply listen to Jesus, not only physically, but most importantly, spiritually. John chapter 6 and verse 68, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. John 11 verse 25, Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What, excuse me, we want to have that blessed spiritual life. And if that's what we want, then we also have to have who? Jesus. We have to have Jesus. But how do we do that? How do we gain that spiritual life? Well, through living a life of godliness. You see how all of this is going hand in hand? How it's all going together? God has been giving us everything that we need in order to live a holy, right, a holy life, a righteous and blameless life. That word godliness translates to the word devout. God-like. 
how do you live your life? Do you live your life like God would have lived his life here on this earth? Well, see, a form of God did live on this earth. Jesus Christ, his son, John 1, verse 14. Do we live like him? Do we have the mindset of Christ? Philippians 2, 5 through 8. You see, Peter says you can have everything you want that pertains to life and godliness, but how? How do we get, how do we obtain, how do we find all of these things that pertain to life and godliness? Well, again, through the knowledge of him. I can't say it enough. If you want grace and peace, verse 2, if you want life and godliness, you find it through your knowledge of God. Everything that you and I could ever need in this life is found through our creator and our father. In fact, I think about passages like 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let me turn there very quickly as we read this passage, as we begin to close this particular episode out. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. The Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy, he says this, And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, or thoroughly equipped for every good work. Verse 15, Paul is telling Timothy that the Scriptures that he had known, they're going to make him wise, but concerning what? Concerning salvation, the most important thing that you and I could ever discuss. But here's the interesting thing. Where is that salvation found? Through faith, yes, but then where? In Christ Jesus. You see, the church is considered to be the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. You get into that body, into that church through baptism. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. It's so simple. And yet there seems to be so much confusion in our world. Which I suppose begs the question, why are there so many different beliefs? I think truthfully and quickly, as we begin to wrap things up, it boils down to pride, doesn't it? Why else would anyone veer off or go off from obeying the Bible if it wasn't for someone wanting to do their own will and not wanting to submit to God's will? Brother B.J. Clark is a fantastic gospel preacher, and he has said this kind of point many different times. But he talks about how it all boils down to our lives, not agreeing with Scripture. And so in order to appease ourselves and to make ourselves feel better, we say, ah, let's just go create a different religion. Let's just go create a different belief so that we can set the limits, so that we can set the rules and that we're going to be okay. Friends, that's not how it works. There were very many rules in my parents' home. And if I didn't like those rules, if I didn't want to follow those rules, I mean, I suppose I guess I could have walked out and tried to live on my own, but I know I wouldn't have survived for very long. But you see, every child knows and understands that their father wants what is best for them. And through his wisdom, he sets boundaries and rules that they have to follow. God has a way that we must live. And if we don't, we bring trouble on ourselves and we end up jeopardizing our souls. We're going to be judged by the words of Jesus, John 12 and verse 48, not by our own words, not by our own rendition. Thus, we must study the book and see what Jesus would have us to do. It's interesting when you look at passages like Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, and passages like 1 John 2 and verse 16, where it talks about corruption. And that's how 
Peter kind of ends this section of Scripture really talking about a contrast. When I see the word corruption, I think about the word decay. And when I think about the word decay, I think about that being the end result of what sin does to our lives. The death, the decay, the corruption, the disease that sin causes physically, emotionally, spiritually. Just read Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 when you have a chance. First John 2, verse 16, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It always leads to death and corruption. But then you can flip this coin, as Peter does, and he talks about the promises that we can have. John 14, 1 through 4. Beautiful and precious promises. What was it that Jesus said? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why, Jesus? Well, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, it would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a promise it is to us as Christians if we are to live faithful lives. I hope that this study has been beneficial to you. I'm excited for next week's episode as we are diving into these characteristics. We've laid the foundation. We've laid the groundwork. Now let's dive in and see what characteristics and graces, as they are often called, that we need to add into our lives. I'm looking forward to next week's study. I hope that this has been good for you. If you want to reach out, please email our network at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Shoot us a DM on any social media platforms. We'll do all that we can to help you to grow and to help bolster your faith. I hope that you're excited for this study. hope you're excited for this season. I look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, may God bless. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.